Upworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. everybody, it's the Upworthy Weekly Podcast, and my name is Todd Perry. I'm a staff writer at Upworthy, and with me is the great Allison Rosen. Allison is the host of the super popular podcast, Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend, and Childish with her co-host, Greg Fitzsimmons. And if you're watching us on video right now, on Facebook, um, we'll let you know that we are Upworthy's uh weekly podcast and you know it's an audio podcast comes out every saturday and uh, you can listen to it wherever you get podcasts um and we go alice and i go over some of the most popular and engaging upworthy stories of the week and this week we're going to talk about things teachers did in the 70s and 80s that wouldn't fly now a beauty pageant star who went makeup free a dude with an emotional support alligator and much more and uh, with that going to start off with the wonderful Allison Rosen. Hello. I think it's actually things that teachers did in the uh, 80s and 90s that wouldn't fly today. Although I mm. think of it as 70s as well, because one of the things that they did was smoke in front of their students. Uh, ah. I think many of us, and by that I mean you and I, because we're old, but we're so hip, uh, but have memories of walking by the teacher's lounge, and it was just like... I was always like, what goes on in there? I know that smoking happens. Smoking and Tupperware and just adult conversations. Because it was just like a, a puff of smoke and then Tupperware with like mysterious teacher's meals that they brought from home. And then that's about it. Smoking and Tupperware, I think. And the thing right? with 80s, 80s Tupperware is once you <laughs> put in some like spaghetti... You never got that oh, red no. out of there. Like if you had that kind of clear, somewhat clear uh, mm -hmm. Tupperware, what, the moment you put a little bit of spaghetti sauce in there, no matter what you did, you could mm -mm. you could use all the olive that you have. You could use all the, um, you know, any kind of cleanser that you want, and it's never going to get that out. Right. A similar thing happens nowadays with the instant, the inside of the instant pot. Uh, lid like there's a silicone rim and some people use one for sweet and one for savory but let's get back to teachers shall we you are getting me off topic Todd once again okay so uh, this came from uh, a conversation that happened on Reddit someone posed the question what are some things you remember that teachers did back in the 80s and 90s that would never fly today uh, and these are very amusing um, so someone uh, recalled that back in the day if you read enough library books you would have a sleepover in the library and in the morning they would even griddle pancakes and things I was never privy to this, but I do remember hearing about things like this. I don't know. I feel like maybe they would still do this if there were enough chaperones. I don't know. It always seems to me like people are so afraid of a lawsuit. Yeah, I guess that, you're right. That they wouldn't do that. The school would be like, oh, no, you know, what could happen? And then, oh, my God, there's there's no place which is a worse, worse for a child these days, that you, if you watch the news, than a school library. Um, I guess. Yeah, a lot of people complaining about kids reading books these days. Oh, right. This is true. I know. Because these banned yeah. books could jump off the uh, off the shelves and attack you with their words and their knowledge. Um, I do know that there's like various things where you can sleep over. I don't know. Maybe they don't have these anymore. But I've heard of like sleepovers at museums and things. And 
and movies about night at, nights at the museum. And that sounds really cool. I never did any of that. I feel that I uh, missed out. Um, okay, <clears throat> excuse me. Another one, which I remember from my school. If you had a loose tooth, you'd go to the principal's office and the principal would pull your loose tooth. I suspect there's not principals reaching into children's mouths these days for an array of reasons. I actually got in trouble for that when I was uh, in college. I was a YMCA <laughs> camp counselor. Yes, we we know. Yeah. What happened? And, and I used to call myself the dentist of beach camp uh, because whenever a kid had a loose tooth, they'd come see, you know, Dr. Todd and I'd figure out a way to get it out or, or I'm sorry, extract the tooth. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, the kid wanted that money from the tooth fairy. So they yeah. would come to me and, you know, even if it was semi-loose, a little bit of pressure, a little bit of the stuff that you made lanyards out of, that was also a great <laughs> way. You wrap that around a tooth. You, you, you have one kid hold... It to hold, a door. Oh. No, you have one kid hold and then the other kid puts it in his mouth like reins, you know, like, oh, like he's pulling a sled and you hold that kid by the shoulders and then you tell the other one, run! And then that oh, kid God. runs and then... I mean, there's there's a million different ways to do it. Uh, sometimes the back of the Y bus, you know, you, you take the kid and you tie the thing to it, and then you tell, you know, Omar the bus driver to floor it, and then again you, you're holding the, the the child back, maybe multiple people, and then you get the bus to go, and then then you get the tooth out. Strangely, after multiple extractions, multiple successful extractions, the leader of the Y, the Y camp director, came up to me and said, uh, Mr. Todd. Can we leave the teeth in the kids' mouths? So I said, okay. I feel like you're lucky that that's all. Okay. <clears throat> I must stop the show to let everyone know there is a mosquito in my studio. I have a fly swatter. I'm sorry for anyone who's a pacifist. In general, I am a pacifist, but I had to grab a swatter. You may see some action. Uh, and the mosquito just crossed the set. <sighs> okay. I'm back to business, but anyway, I my life is in peril if it is a deadly mosquito, um, and I don't know right now what's happening, but anyway, I'm going to forge ahead, and here I go. I think that you're lucky that all you got was a slap on the wrist and not, like, sent to jail or something. Well, Do you I not think- see this the way I see it, which is that you were, like, very much... Look, I like you despite a lot of infringements you've made on our friendship, for example, for people. Because I think that, you know, if people are watching this on Facebook, they might not regularly listen. So they don't know that there's a lot of, I have a lot of issues with you. Yeah. You're wrong about the Mariah Carey Christmas song. I can't stand it. You love it. I love Christmas music. I don't like the Mariah Carey Christmas song. You dislike Christmas music, but you love the Mariah Carey Christmas song. You're top to bottom. You're wrong. Okay. So there's that. Okay. All right. Uh, you're wrong about vegetables. Zucchini is a wonderful vegetable. You dislike zucchini. Don't get me started. You're, you made a list of the five worst vegetables. You're completely wrong about that. That's on prior episodes. You didn't tell me that you have two tortoises as pets. You hid that information from me. I think you should lead with that because you didn't want me to think you're a creepy reptile guy. Mm. I get that. That's like an insecurity. I have an understanding of that. However, if we are building a friendship based on honesty, uh, I don't I don't know who you are. So it's just one thing after another with you. And now it comes out that you're like torturing children 
I get that you were trying to help them shake down the tooth fairy, but these are some aggressive maneuvers that you were employing. And all they did was say, hey, don't do that. I think you're lucky. Well, you know, I think that what you're doing right now is you're deflecting because you know what I know about you and what the people who have listened to the first 42, 43 episodes of this show know is that you dabble in being a cult leader, that you have a <laughs> very... This is not true. Insecure grip on the listeners that you've, you know, you've, you've brought to yourself over time on your two big popular shows. And then this one growing in popularity that you, Allison Rosen, have people who have like dedicated Allison Rosen days where they meet together almost like in a like Rocky Horror Picture Show, your podcast or something. I'm not sure exactly what they do. All right, and in and, and, and they they worship you in that way, and you are very afraid of losing your flock. <laughs> but as we've said before, you don't tend to your flock that well, and they're always kind of in danger of peeling off, and it makes you very insecure. And so, I was up- whatever your problem, whatever I'm doing with children and teeth, it doesn't match what you might be doing or what kind of might be happening in Allison Rosen's under underbelly. And, you know? <laughs> Are you done? Yeah. I don't have a cult. I have people who enjoy my podcast and they get together and they record a podcast about my podcast and they have like an Allison weekend and mm. they happen to agree with you about vegetables. And I found that to be a betrayal of the highest order. Anyway, uh, another th- here's something else that... W- wouldn't fly nowadays and I don't think it in uh, in a classroom and I don't think it should have flown back then but uh, a student told his biology teacher that he wasn't feeling well and the biology teacher said I don't believe you go stand in the corner until you faint (laughs) so sadism sadistic teachers that was like a thing I feel like there were a lot of tv shows that featured a sadistic teacher Oh, and then here's one, an English teacher who would curse at the kids that were too noisy and then would throw blackboard erasers at them. Wow. I feel like there were a few of those in my high school. And there was one, actually, this English teacher who had this very kind of funny rivalry relationship with this boy, Brian. But this was funny. But this probably wouldn't fly nowadays either. But he'd like walk into the class... (laughs) And she'd spray, she was very old, uh, she, but like old and sassy. And she'd spray Lysol like in his direction and she'd go, oh, it didn't work. You're still here. <laughs> like he was a germ. It was funny, but like that probably wouldn't, wouldn't be okay nowadays. These are all the sorts of teacher behaviors that wound up in us getting the wall by Pink Floyd, I feel. you know. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, I was reflecting on my childhood and I do remember we had a seventh grade science teacher named Mr. Poloni, who was a very mm-hmm. big guy. He was probably like six foot five, 300 pounds, and he was a middle-aged ex-Vietnam vet, where I feel oh, wow. like kids these days, half their teachers aren't Vietnam vets like when I was growing up, right. you know? And so they were like tough guys. It didn't... It didn't give a crap about anything. And Mr. Poloni was great because what he, he would do is, and I don't think you could do this now, he would do what I call occupation shaming people. <laughs> so 
there is a kid named Dean Okamura that just he had in his crosshairs. And, you know, if Dean would be laughing and not paying attention in class, he'd be like, it may be funny now, Okamura, but it's not going to be funny when you're working at the car wash. <laughs> right. No, you can't do that now. You cannot single out a specific occupation. That's an honest job. Yeah. Yes, I'll take fries with that, Okamura. You know, and then he used to, he, he carried around a yardstick. Oh, and to geez. get the class's attention, he would whack the fluorescent lights that like hang, hung from the ceiling and go, dak, dak, dak. And you'd see them sway back and forth like, all right, class, today we're talking about reproduction. Today we're talking about how <laughs> some of us have outdoor plumbing and some of us have indoor plumbing. Let's get to it. Oh, jeez. And I, I don't think that the outdoor-indoor plumbing analogy would, would fly uh, also today. Mm. Maybe, though. Yeah. Do they even talk about... I mean, in certain states, I don't even think they talk about the plumbing at all anymore. Yeah, there's, there's certain like non-plumbing states. You have like right-to-work states, non-plumbing states. America's a America. Yeah. Uh, we, also, <laughs> we also had a teacher, my, my drama teacher, because I was... You may not know this, Allison, but I was a thespian. a thespian. Yeah. And I... I won Best Actor in 1994. I, did, I didn't know that. But Once again, you keep secrets from me. So we had a teacher, and his name was Mr. Coring. And so what we do is, you know, you'd meet up, and it would be after school. You'd practice for the school play. And it was like a big, like kind of like a basketball auditorium. And then it had a stage, you know. It wasn't like these cool schools where you go, where they have like, like seats and stuff in the auditorium. Mm-hmm. This was a multi-purpose room, you know. It right. meant, you, meant you had to hire an extra custodian to lug chairs in and out of there every day. But <laughs> so there would be one chair in like the center of the basketball court and we'd be on stage and all the lights would be down. We'd be doing the lighting for the play and and acting. And Mr. Coring would sit and you'd just see this cherry of his cigarette butt. Because you'd <laughs> sit and smoke in the dark. You never saw him smoke in the light. Mm-mm. But the lights were off half the time, and you just saw this like this like cherry go brighter and dimmer, and then you go quiet backstage like that, and he just smoke. And I assume, the, given the amount he smoked in his age, he's probably uh, no longer with us. He's he's smoking in that great multi-purpose yeah, auditorium in the sky right now, but <laughs> right doing, doing his final number. What uh, play were, plays were you in? Uh, the Bad Seed, The Lottery, um, Dracula. Dracula. I was uh, Jonathan Harker. No, no, I was, wow. I was, uh, I don't know. I forget who I was. I wasn't Jonathan Harker. I was one mm-hmm. of, you know, and, and I, I had a almost like a sexy scene with a scowl name of Vaughn. Because, you know, Dracula is very, very erotic. I, you know, I don't actually even know the story of Dracula. Real. I mean, I know the broad strokes, but I don't yeah. know the finer strokes. Okay, yeah, it's guy bites people, basically. <laughs> that part I do. Yeah, that part I get. But yeah, yeah, he multiple people actually. Right. And he's very seductive. Erotic. Mm-hmm. Very. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, come to me, the children. But did you play? Oh, but you didn't I. play him. No, I should have though. Listen to that. Children <laughs> of the night. You sound like the Count from Sesame Street. One, and you know, you know, Allison. If you ever, you know, you have me over for dinner. There's one thing. I do not drink. 
wine. Hey, Allison, do you have any uh, 70s, <laughs> like crazy, weird 80s, 90s teachers? No. Oh, did I? Yeah. Well, I think I, wait, didn't I tell mine? Yeah. Yeah, you did. Okay. I'll just see, see if there's any more. If there's any more. I'm trying to think if I have any more. Any um, weird, creepy teachers cross the line? Non-vets insulting kids? Weird disciplinary I mean, actions? You know, the French teacher at my school would make people like go put their nose in the corner, which I felt like was just one shade forward from wearing a dunce cap but i didn't mm. take french i wanted to take french but i didn't take french because i'd heard she was just mean so i took spanish and i was happy that i took spanish uh and the senora who taught spanish was very nice so that was a good decision um and yeah no i i i i, I don't recall Anything too, too bad. I mean, there was like a criminal case at my school of a teacher who did cross the line, but that was not okay back then and it wouldn't be okay now. Um, But that did not involve me personally. Thank you. So I I was, yeah. No, it only involved kids who had athletic prowess and uh, that was not me. So my being an indoor kid, protected me in that regard upworthy weekly that's not arnold schwarzenegger's speech on why he's not a quote self-made man shows why we all need each other arnold schwarzenegger is the epitome of the american dream he's a he's an immigrant from austria who came to america with 20 dollars in his pocket and wound up being one of the most celebrated people in the world He was Mr. Olympia seven times, played the Terminator on the big screen, and was even elected governor of California. However, even though he's had tremendous success, he never calls himself a self-made man. And that's surprising being that, you know, Schwarzenegger was a big-time Republican, and usually they're all, you know, about individualism and self-reliance, but uh, he, he believes that people need people. And he made a great explanation for this at a graduation ceremony. And so this was a big hit on Upworthy this week. I think people who read Upworthy like these kind of affirming things, but also the, they like kind of um, good granular advice. And I think mm-hmm. Arnold has some here. So let's hear. Well, first of all, congratulations to all of you. I know that it took a huge vision, great vision, and a lot of work and a lot of studying, and there's no one that can study for you. You have to do that yourself. So I just want you all to know that I am very, very proud of all of you. Thank you for the great work that you have done. Now on your diplomas, there will only be one name on it, and this is yours. I got I to pause right there, because he says, there will only be one name, and it's yours. But you know what's funny? Hmm. And you probably won't be the same way, but my college diploma has two names, Todd Andrew Perry and Arnold Schwarzenegger, because he was the governor of California at the time, and he signed, was reprinted, but he signed the bottom of my, uh, my diploma. And so it's always funny, like, I had a friend from, grew up in another country, and I was like, 
the most California thing ever, Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> signed my diploma. <laughs> I know. But I hope that doesn't confuse you. And did you think maybe that you made it that far by yourself? No, you didn't. It took a lot of help. None of us can make it alone. None of us. Not even the guy that is talking to you right now. That was the greatest bodybuilder of all times. Mm. Not even me that has been the Terminator and went back on time to save the human race. <laughs> it's good, it's good. Not even me that fought and that killed predators with his bare hands. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Okay, Arnold. <laughs> yeah, right, part of me is like, is he poking fun at himself? Or is he actually I quite excited so. to uh, tout off, to rattle yeah. off his screen credits? Yeah, I don't, maybe a little bit of both. It's it's reminding me a little bit of, um, you know, Obama's, uh, you didn't, is it the you didn't build that speech? Yeah, yeah. You didn't, it, there's like shades of that, but wait, keep going. I always tell people that you can call me anything that you want. You can call me Arnold, you can call me Schwarzenegger, you can call me the Austrian Oak, you can call me Schwarzy, you can call me Arnie, but don't ever, ever call me a self-made man. But this is so important for you to understand. I didn't make it that far on my own. I mean, to accept that credit or that mantle would discount every single person that has helped me to get here today that gave me advice, that made an effort, that gave me the time, that lifted me up when I fell. And it gives the wrong impression that we can do it alone. None of us can. The whole concept of the self-made man or woman is a myth. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I think that it's was pretty- unusual for, yeah, I, not to get, Hyperpolitical, although um, you already did, so I'm just going to follow in your lead. Not hyperpolitical. How did I get hyperpolitical? You got. Okay, Mr. Partisan. Okay, hyperpolitical, Todd. If you could just pull your head out of your partner. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm joking. I'm joking. Don't Ugh. look so enraged. Okay, Mr. Enraged. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I think it is surprising to hear such a communal message from uh, that side. Yeah. It's well, surprising I mean, me. Yeah. Well, I, I think they'd call him a rhino. I, I suppose. Republican in name only. So, uh, but no, I, I think obviously most, most people believe that way. Probably also understand that people need people too. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, let's see here. And so what, what, what was cool is then he, he put a finer point on why he was telling everybody that there's no such thing. Why as I want you to understand that mm-hmm. is, is because as soon as you understand that you are here because of a lot of help, then you also understand that now is time to help others. That's what this is all about. you got to help others. Don't just think about yourself. Help others. Yeah, yeah. So that was a, that was a good speech, and it was a good good reminder. And I started thinking to myself after hearing it, like, you know, I came from humble beginnings, and now I'm the host of Upworthy Weekly, right? So I mean, <laughs> who 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 knew just a little 
little kid who grew up by the Chuck E. Cheese in North Torrance was gonna was gonna you know be be sitting here in a super hot studio talking with you, Allison. And I I, I started thinking to myself like, you know, you, everybody makes their Oscar speech, or I, I I often think about you know I will win a potty one day for podcasters or something. And mm-hmm. I was just thinking about like, you know, who would you know, supported me along the way that I would think that, you know, I couldn't, you, you don't just get here by yourself, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of people. And uh, I was, I was trying to think of who it would be. And, um, hmm. You drawing a blank? It, the haters. Oh. You know, I think it's, it's, you know, the people, everyone who's left a nasty review about any podcast I've yeah. done, okay, mm-hmm. they made me stronger, okay? You That's think right. he made me not do that thing I do, but now I do it double, right? Um, I started thinking of, you know, the, the people in my life who are like, you know, my sworn enemies who, who have hated on me and only made me stronger. And I think those, mm-hmm. Arnold left those out of the speech. Always thank your haters. And as you said... And you said your therapist once gave you great advice about that. Oh, haters gonna hate? Yeah. Yeah. And she, I believe, was quoting Taylor Swift. And I thought to myself, I pay you so much for this. Is there mm-hmm. anything? Can I, can I exchange this advice for something better, please? I, I, she's such a good therapist. And I, I get so much from seeing her. But just that bit of advice, I was like, mm. is there anything else back there? Please, please. And she also says, don't read the comments. Comments make you crazy. And I'm like, okay. Once again, this is, tr- I know you're right, but can I just bundle up this and haters going to hate and just turn them both back in and exchange them for something like a gift certificate for something else, please? Mm. Olive Garden, something. <laughs> I mean, I meant specifically for like a <clears throat> something therapeutic, but a nice meal would be fine. Sure. Yeah. It's like, I think of like, <clears throat> you know, one hater that really propelled me to this level of greatness. And it was a jazz saxophonist, uh, Dave Koz. He's one of your haters? Yeah, yeah. The, the, I guess, you know, top of my enemies list. And I I used to, I was a lackey at a radio station years ago. And um, Dave Koz is a kind of guy like sells out the Hollywood Bowl playing smooth jazz. And he did the morning show. familiar. Yeah, and he did a morning show on The Wave, which was a smooth jazz station. And I was a lackey at the talk radio station, but we'd eat lunch together because communal table. So I would have Mm -hmm. like my poor people food I brought in because I made $10 an hour and he would bring in like some really nice meal because he's Dave Koz and he's great. And then he'd be like, Oh, Hey Todd, is that the high end beef stew you're eating? And I'd just be like, Oh, just needling you needling. And another time, so another time I made myself spaghetti in Tupperware (laughs) and I brought it Uh because I had no money. And he's like, that spaghetti must be really good, Todd. And I was like, why is that, Dave Cause? He's like, because it's on your shirt. And it was just this day in and day out. It's constant Jeez, what needling. 
What is he a fraternity brother or something? I don't know. He was just he was just he was just a hater, just a pure you know yeah. uh, league of extraordinary haters. But I you know I internalized that, and that's how I got mm-hmm. here. And and I'm thinking the same thing with you, Allison. I think you're kind of constant ribbing, your constant uh, gaslighting, and, and and all this this stuff that you you do with me all the time. That yeah. that'll make, ho- right. hopefully the- pro- propel me. You know, the onslaught of mine. My, my my I never let up. With my mind games and my, it's just pure haterade. Diabolical. Yeah. Well, I feel inspired by the Austrian oak. That's what I call him. And sometimes Schwartzy too. Upworthy Weekly. Todd, get this. Have you ever heard of someone competing in a beauty pageant but not wearing makeup? I don't know how much thought you've given to beauty pageants, but it's pretty typical that they, you know, are in full, full glam, we call it, in the beauty industry. Uh, I'm not in the beauty industry, so I don't call it that. But if I were, that's what we would call it. So anyway, Miss England, a Miss England finalist competed in a pageant without makeup. And this started a great conversation on beauty standards. Okay, look, between you and me, though, she's beautiful. So mm. it's like uh, maybe maybe perhaps a little easier for her to compete without makeup because it's like, oh, okay, well, you're stunning. But still, it did start a conversation about it, and that's the important thing. So her name is Melissa Rauf. It might be Rauf, R-A-O-U-F. Let's say Rauf. Melissa Rauf right. from South Thank London. Rauf. Yeah. She said, uh, if one is happy in their own skin, we should not be made to cover up our face with makeup. Uh, she said our flaws make us who we are. She does not have <laughs> flaws. <laughs> but perhaps, you know what? Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And, uh, you know, there's plenty of people. Uh, I know a beautiful newscaster. She's come on my show. Oh. Um, I, I feel like she would. She, people would think she's flawless. And she told me that she receives hate mail over her knees. Like people have issues what? with her knees. So people can pick apart everyone. So I imagine this Melissa Roth person, despite the fact that I don't see any flaws in her, I'm sure that because she's in the public eye, people have things to say. So I'm sure she has there's something she thinks is a flop but anyway she's received a ton of support over her barefaced appearance uh and she also said that with mental health being such a big topic i want to make all girls feel good i just want to remove all the beauty standards i feel like all girls are beautiful in their own way i feel like i've done it for all girls um and this is the first time in the pageant's 94 year history that someone has competed without makeup. A couple years ago, they did have a specific competition for people to, you know, compete without makeup. So everyone was without makeup. But this is the first time that she's competing in the regular competition, that someone's competing in the regular competition without makeup. And uh, go her. Do you think that when she showed up without any makeup and like the other 20 girls... Because I saw a picture and it looked like maybe there's about 20 girls in the competition. And uh-huh. do, do you think the other girls were like, oh, oh, hell no. Oh, no, she, no, <laughs> no, she didn't. Do, oh, that daft cow. And do you think they were like, oh, mm, oh, like if you were sitting there with 19 other women or maybe, I don't know, if I was in a I don't know, bodybuilding competition. She's gone mad. Yeah, or just like, or it's it's the ultimate like, you know, trying to be above it is showing up with, a, oh, I, 
you know, um, y- you get what I'm saying. Right. Like they, I, I doubt they thought that she was trying to be better than them or above it. I imagine they probably thought she had like lost her. I mean, I'm imagining, but I imagine they're like, she's lost her mind. Like who does that? You know, they're probably alarmed. Like what is happening? Is she okay? Who goes on television? I'm assuming the thing air is, you know, on, on air somewhere. Like who goes in front of cameras without makeup on? This is ludicrous. Well, I, it, it could also be the ultimate in condescension, you know? Maybe. That's, I don't know. That's how yeah. I'd see it. Or like that she was cheating by playing oh, the like no she, makeup card, you know? that, that then Like she all, feels like she doesn't need it? Or no, it's, it's just saying like, oh, I'm so better than you because I'm taking the high ground and not making myself right. up and not subjecting myself to the patriarchy. And I'm making mm. a whole statement versus just being beautiful. Yes. That it might even perhaps calculated. Uh, Right. Maybe. I know in college, my friend and I, um, my friend Jessica and I both like to wear makeup. And I went to a pretty like hippie granola-ish college. And we felt judged because we wore makeup. We felt like other people. And I don't, but this, I feel, I look back on it and I think how much of that was actually happening and how much of that was in our own heads. But we felt like there was this pressure to be as anti-patriarchy and like crunchy and natural as possible. And so uh, we felt like we had to justify the fact that we wanted to wear makeup. And it really, it, it did stem from insecurity though. I just felt like I don't look good without makeup. It's funny because I really now like I am wearing makeup now, but because yeah. we're on Facebook and you're welcome, everyone. Um, but uh, <laughs> but otherwise, you you'd have to. Otherwise, I definitely do. I I only I only do it for like things like this. Uh, I it's anyway. Uh, I really push the limits of like how how much can I just walk around in sweatpants and no bra and whatnot. But anyway, um, that might've been too much information, but that's who I am. But anyway, yeah. Um, so I do know what you're saying. It does sometimes seem like there's like an element of judgment in there. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I, but then I was, then I started thinking like, isn't that how beauty pageants should be? Right. It's like, yeah, it's almost like, you know, it's like it, right, it's true, not a makeup pageant, right? Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I feel like a true beauty pageant. It would be like no cosmetic surgery, no spanks, mm. no hairspray, no fancy clothes, no lotion, um, <laughs> no lotion, no lotion. No. What is it like? Are they judging the actual your your the actual moisture in your skin. Yeah. Yeah. Like drink some water, hon. You know, no lotion. Yeah. No lotion. Um, and then like, and then also it could just be like, it'd be like an Eve, you know, beauty pageant, like fig leaf only garden of Eden. They call mm. it, I'm going to do this. Garden. I'm going to do, this is how I'm okay. going to make, make my millions. Um, all right, let's hear it. And I'm going to have it in Moscow. It's going to be the, uh, Eve beauty pageant, the Garden of Eden beauty pageant presented by uh-huh. Todd Perry. And um, it's just going to be nothing but and everybody can be in it. You know, uh, people of all different genders. And all you all you got to do is, you know, fig leaf it 
and uh, mm-hmm. and then completely just all natural, you know. And then then we know who's really beautiful and who's faking it. Because I mean, like all the makeup and the spanks and the whole bit—that's almost like mm-hmm. it's like you're doping in a, in an a, right. Olympic athlete, you know. Yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I can't get on board entirely. But, well, this is like you hear about the people at a nude beach or a nude resort are actually not necessarily the most attractive. The mind conjures images of not necessarily the most attractive. That's what I always hear. And Mm -hmm. Todd, that's what I imagine is going to enter your Garden of Eden brought to you by Todd Perry in Moscow. (laughs) Beauty pageant. Good luck with that, though. Have you ever been to a nudist uh, event? I, I haven't, no. Okay. Have you? Yes. Uh, have you ever heard of a place called F- Fire Island? Yes, I have. Okay. Have you been because to Fire Island? I lived in New York. That's no, right. I haven't been to, been to Fire Island, but I've heard of it. So we had, my wife has relatives that live near there, and one of her, and her 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 aunt, who was like seventy five years old, Aunt Bernadette, who was mm-hmm. wonderful, said, "Hey, we should go down to the beach and take a walk down the beach." And it was purely just to let us walk down the portion of the beach that was a nude all male beach. And we're just walking down the beach, and then as we get closer and closer, we see a group of gentlemen all hanging out, literally. And how hanging mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good one, good one, good one. Some more than others. And uh, <laughs> my wife and I walk through, and they're like playing football. It was it was exactly what you'd think, but there was a lot of people mm-hmm. that I think would look better clothed. See, that is your Western judgment. That's right. I yeah. Upworthy <sighs> Weekly. Researchers have found the most effective way to stop misinformation online, and it's really pretty simple. This was, uh, I wrote this this week when I found a study out there. And I, I, at Upworthy, we like to highlight studies, like the latest in science, you know. And uh, the rise of misinformation on social media has been a monumental stress test for the world's critical thinking skills. Misinformation has had a huge influence on elections, public health, and the treatments of immigrants and refugees across the world. Social media platforms have tried to combat false claims over the past few years by employing fact checkers, but they haven't been terribly effective because those who are most susceptible to misinformation don't trust fact checkers. (laughs) A real conundrum. Yes. So you can't... Like, have you ever... I know, Allison, I know one of your pastimes is fighting with people on Twitter. (laughs) It's It's one of my passions, really. Yeah. And... Have you ever had a thing where you're going back and forth with someone and you're just like, look, this is PolitiFact. And and then they were just like, no, that's run by. And then they, you know, George Soros or something wacky like that. Oh, yeah. Yes. But then similarly, I've had things where they've been like linking to like rumble or youtube or things like that and i'm like i'm not gonna or i forget all the names of them where i'm just like instantly like no 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 like give me a legit source you know right but like uh, fact check sites like 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 politifact are completely legit sites right um yeah 
so basically they did a, a study of like 30,000 people and they showed them these like little like they called them inoculation videos where they taught them mm-hmm. little things about critical thinking and how to debunk things and then they found that after the people saw them that later when they saw those tactics being used by misinformation they were much less likely to fall for it so here's yeah. one thing about the ad hominem attack like um like the other day you were calling me low energy you're saying low energy todd and everything <laughs> and it was it was really mean uh, you're making fun of me I'm instead sorry. of the issue. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's uh, classic, classic me. Could you define ad hominem? This is a manipulation tactic known as an ad hominem attack, which means against the person in Latin. The reason that we refer to this tactic by its Latin name is probably because even as far back as ancient Rome, people were aware that attacking the questioner rather than the argument is unfair. Sometimes, of course, it is relevant to note someone's past experiences. Like imagine a tobacco company putting out a study saying that smoking can't cause you harm. Should we question the character and motive here? I think so. But instead of attributing blame in such a deserved way, sadly, ad hominem attacks are commonly used to draw attention away from the issue at hand and manipulate your impression of the person instead. I can't believe what I'm hearing. Well, then you better turn up your hearing aid, Pops. Pops? I'm only two years older than you. Do we want old man Patterson here with his finger on the button? What button? So that's an ad hominem attack. Like, in, like if mm. you said something I disagreed with and I was like, well, Allison's a cult leader. <laughs> right. Re- regardless of like whether it was true or not. Right. Yeah. Like Todd's a zucchini, classic zucchini hater, <laughs> which is true, but it's neither here nor there. Yeah. So I think it's cool that, you know, they give people a refresher and so then people can detect the BS before they fall for it. Um, oh, 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 Allison so has close. the fly swatter out. I know. And it just flew behind a lamp. I was so close. And I don't know if people are rooting for the mosquito or against. I'm not, like mm. I said, I don't, all living beings deserve a good life, except this guy or gal that means me harm okay i'm sorry carry on upworthy weekly it's time to rate your week have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world? Tell us about it by emailing us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. Well, to those of you who are new to our show, who are watching on Facebook, uh, every week, because this is Upworthy Weekly, a podcast you can subscribe to right now, wherever you wherever get your, your pod- podcast, yeah. That's right. And even some places where you don't get your podcast. That's what's great. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, and so what we do is at this portion in the show, we rate our week and we let people know whether we had a good week or bad week. But also we want to know from you, the listener, whether you had a good week or a bad week. And then to also tell us um, whether you learned anything and you're a better person. Okay. And we rate our weeks from one to five. And so Allison, do you know what the phone number is? 
Yes, 323-553-2331. And I'm going to say that again. 323-553-2331. Now, because we are a fairly new operation, that number also doubles as the phone number for Allison Rosen is your new best friend. So if you call it, do not be alarmed that the outgoing voicemail mentions Allison Rosen is your new best friend. It, you can still rate your week and it'll get to the right place. We'll get that sorted. So Allison, <laughs> on a scale of one to five, one being completely awful, five being excellent, rate your week. So get this, uh, the last couple weeks have been very low, but I'm going to give this week a four. It's climbing back up. This week has been much better. Um, My dad was in the hospital, had some heart stuff going on, hence the low numbers, and he is back home now and recovering. So that has been um, very good. And then I had some really good shows this week. this one remains to be seen, but I did an yeah. in-person show. Yeah, uh, I did an in-person group show. Uh, Jimmy Pardo and Eva Anderson. She's a first-timer, but Jimmy Pardo, of course. You know Jimmy Pardo, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So it was just really nice to uh, be back in person again. Um, you know, Zoom is fun, but in-person is is better. So that was just really fun. And yeah, just uh, just, just better. So, uh, f- f- oh. Little my bug friend is bad, so I'm gonna give it a four. It was good. Are you a better person than you were last week? Um, I feel like I am the same. Now, am I a better? You'd really would think that I would have. No, you know what? I am because I'm still working on that thing I've been working on before, which is not looking at my phone right when I wake up. And I'm finding it easier and easier to say, no, I'm going to set my phone down. I'm going to get up. I'm going to get coffee. I'm going to get my kids breakfast going. I'm going to, you know, and and I'm going to look at my phone later. And each time I do it, it's a little bit easier to have a little more discipline. So yeah, I am a little, I'm a little bit better. I think it's great that you've decided to stop denying your children nourishment <laughs> just to look at your phone. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, they get it eventually, you know. Yeah. It's, I've never deprived them completely. Right. But, um, and what about you, Todd? On a scale of one being just completely awful and five being amazing, how was your week? Oh, actually, I'm going to give it a 3.5. Okay. Um, I had some domestic calamities Mm. recently, uh, and those are starting to get better. I talked about those on previous shows, and I got a puppy named Archie, and he was making our lives a living hell because he was eating up everything, chewing up everything, um, shedding everywhere, and just getting into some basic, like, you know, Beethoven-style shenanigans in the house. And now he's started to calm down a little bit. Uh, he hasn't peed on the couch as much, so that's getting a bit better. And then um, my school started, my kids started school this week, so like after a long summer with like my wife and kid at home, I'm getting a little bit of peace of mind and I'm able to do things. Uh, I did have an uncomfortable experience with my kid. You know, sometimes you walk yourself out on a ledge and you realize you can't yeah. get back with something. And we always listen to the Beatles channel on Sirius XM. 
whenever we're we're driving over to school, and they played Helter Skelter mm. on the the thing, and um, the guy who was announcing it was like talking about the kind of Manson family implications of the song. And so then I just started talking, like not really paying attention to the fact that my kid is six. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, this song is often associated with evil, you know, because this guy, Charles Manson, and I know that Allison is a cult leader. You're like, well, you know. Um, <laughs> I think of him as a peer, really. Yes. And um, he was just someone that was highly attractive to others. And they followed him around. No, and so then I started going He himself didn't do any killing. I just have to get that out there. Mm. Please, everyone, know I'm joking. And so I started talking about... And then I realized it wasn't appropriate for me to talk about the Manson murders and Helter Skelter with my six-year-old. So then I was just like, well, there's this guy. And I don't know, maybe one day you'll watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And... He wanted to do something really bad, and he called it Helter Skelter. But that's all, but it's still a good song. Um. Okay, so my husband does this occasionally, I think, as well, where he'll just, like, forget who he's talking to. He'll forget <laughs> that he's talking to a five- and a three-year-old. And I think to myself, how does that happen? Because, and I am sure that I'll make this mistake someday, Maybe, but I think that I, I don't think I ever forget that I'm talking to a Mm. five-year-old and a three-year-old and I don't mean to say I'm better, but that's exactly what I'm saying. Maybe you do. I think you do. I think. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. So explain to me how, how, walk me through how it is you forgot that you were talking to your six-year-old here. Like, how does that happen? He's in the back seat. I can't see him. Okay. Gotcha. I can't see in the back seat. He's so were you me. just like monologuing? I think it was kind of like that. I think you know what? I think I just wanted to talk about two of subjects I love, the Beatles and the Manson murders, and I I was being selfish. Mm. And then I realized, much like you depriving your children of nourishment to look at Twitter, <laughs> I realized that I just might uh, be making a mistake and I might traumatize my kid because after I started bringing like we got out of the car and then we started walking to school and he was kind of being, you could see the wheels were working in his brain Aww. a bit. And he was like, and I'm like, you cool? You cool? You all right? So then I don't want him going in and talking about Charles Manson to his, his first grade teacher. Right. And then, and then I get a note home and then my wife goes, why are you talking about Charles Manson with your, your six year old? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A so. good question. We'll see how this week goes. <laughs> oh man. Well, um, that takes uh, self-awareness to be aware. Mm -hmm. And are you a better person? Yes. Because much like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I realized I'm not a self-made man this week. And that um, I was, I coach AYSO. I'm a head coach of my kid's soccer team. And really I am just because they needed coaches. It was Mm -hmm. because I have some great desire. I'm not Ted effing lasso um and so i just i just decided to um that's for the ladies by the way i have it for those of you watching badge. on video i got my coach my coach shirt ayso long beach and um that's for all the women out there with children who are like my husband isn't teaching soccer I'm like yeah i did it 
So my assistant coach the first three practices was not around because of work, and I was doing it alone. But mm. given me, I'm like a DIY kind of guy. I do it myself. I don't ask for it. You know, you know, Allison, you work with me. I'm, you know, would you say I'm that kind of person? A DIY guy? You are. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But this is, I have to say, of all the podcasts I do, this is like one of my favorites because I don't have to do very much. I just show up pretty sh- much. I do a little bit of prep, but pretty much just show up, make fun of you, leave. Love it. I That's love right. It. It's great. Yeah. And but so I didn't have any help, and I'm like, I don't need help, but it was kind of stressful actually teaching kids a sport I never played. And then this guy, Udawak, the assistant coach, showed up, and he was just the best, and he had done this for years. And we sat there, we worked together, and we were like a perfect team. And like the kids were having fun. And then because it was hot, I did what I'm good at I gave the kids some ice cream at the end. Coach Todd came in with the ice cream, and so then I learned, hey, you know what? It's good to ask for help, and there's a lot of people out there that want to help. I just I just have to let them. I think this is a lesson straight from Ted Lasso. This is, is beautiful. It? I never have saw that it? show. No. Oh, it's, it's actually surprisingly really good. Okay. I don't know why I said actually, like as if I wasn't expecting. I think because it's so popular, you want it, you want it to not be good. It's really good. It's sweet. So uh, I'd like to end this show. We had one more story, but it's getting we're getting long here. We'll hold it. Yeah, we'll hold it for later. Uh, mm-hmm. But we do have a listener that wanted to call in and rate her week, and this is seven-year-old Natalia. Let's Hi, my name is Natalia. I'm seven years old, and I just started second grade. I'm gonna give my, I'm gonna rate my week a a four because I just started second grade and it has been a great week. I am a better person than last week because I tried new words in Spanish. Love you. Bye. Oh. Thank you, Allison and Todd. Oh. I love it. That oh. is so sweet. It's great to hear that you had a great week, Natalia, and thank yeah. you. I think that was mom in the background who... Uh, I think that was mom who thanked us at the very end, yeah. Yeah. I love and, it. Um, more people, please call in. Congratulations on uh, expert rating. I'm glad you're a better person. More people, please call in like Natalia. That's wonderful. Yeah. Now I want to know the words she learned in Spanish. Same. Thank you, Natalia. Thank you to everybody who uh, watched us today on Facebook. And I'd like to thank Allison Rosen. Thank you. For not killing that mosquito, because I believe in karma. For the mosquito or me. Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week.